You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. So I'm not used to seeing you in your work attire. This is this is cool. So so you have your headset on, and this is how you talk to your people all day. This is how I do it. Yep, I got three screens in front of me. Wow. Yeah. You've kind of been killing it at your job, haven't you lately? Yeah. It, you know, knock on wood, it's been it's been a good couple of years. Yeah, it has. Good for you. Yeah, you're building a new yeah. house and all that stuff. Yeah, I'm excited <clears throat> about that. Can't wait to get out of here. They've just like this is a three like I'm in the lowest level. It's a walkout, but it's a three uh-huh. level townhome. And um, every year, you know, we've been in here since 2014, and every year they just keep raising the rent and raising the rent and raise. And now it's so high that it's like, like okay, this fly is gonna bug me. Is comparable <laughs> to um, my mortgage, and you know, right, right. It's insane. That is insane. You do have a fly really going for you right now. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna text Reagan to have her come down and get it. That won't be distracting at all. No, not at all. Yeah. Come. Then we're jumping into this thing. Okay, I'm ready to go. I do have a hard stop at one because I have a meeting with a client. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Um, so we're gonna jump in now, and I'm gonna tell everybody that uh, you're playing hooky from work to do this interview. I am taking taking some time off, but that's the nice thing about this role is that I have complete charge of my own schedule and mm-hmm. flexibility. Yeah, that's nice. Well, I won't tell on you, and I doubt your boss listens, so I think you're off the hook. I you're off. I'm off the hook. Yeah, he doesn't even live in Minnesota. Uh huh. Well, um, so those listening, it is me. It's just me, Kirk, today. Uh, Bracken is recovering from uh, his hernia surgery. He he tells me he's a little foggy these days, and he's still kind of coming back. If, if you guys, I don't know if you listened or if our Tuesday episode has come out because he's been kind of down and out, but he uh, he took a pretty good hit from his hernia, hernia surgery, and the recovery's been slower than from his knee surgery. So um, I've actually been wanting to interview you, Darla O'Connor, for a while, and I didn't know when the right time would be, and then knowing Bracken was still kind of coming back, I thought this was this would be a good time because I know you very well. Yes, so welcome, do. Darla. Thank you. It's nice to be here. It is. It's nice to be here. Now you've. Um, I'm gonna uh, unbox you really quick so I can like brag on your behalf, and then we'll get to casual conversation. But we're not always the best at inter- introducing our guests on this podcast, and since I, I think a majority of our listeners won't know who you are, um, I think it's important to introduce you. How do you feel about that? Or unless you want to try. Uh no, you go for it. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Darla and I have been, uh, working together for how long, Darla? Since 2014. Holy smoke. So it's been eight years, huh? Yeah, Kirk. It's been a while. Wow. Um, I I didn't even realize it's been eight years. I was relatively young when we started. (laughs) What do you mean by that? (laughs) Because I'm no longer relatively young. (laughs) Oh, stop. Well, well, to unbox you a bit, so Darla, I'm gonna just say like these very the, these like snapshot versions of who you are, and then we'll get in we'll get into a lot more detail. But 
Um, so we've been working together since 2014. I've been your coach since then. We work together in the gym in person. And then I coach you with your endurance athletics outside of, uh, outside of our, our sessions in the gym, but you are a single mother. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You have been in, an endurance athlete for, I don't know, for 35, 40 years. How old are I you did. as we sit here today, Darla? 54. 54. Yeah. You are the U.S. Spartan National Series winner in your age group going away. You demolish everybody you come in touch with. You win by a mile. You're, um, it's no competition in my eyes. I'm biased. And you've had how many surgeries in the last 10 years? Oh, goodness. Um, four, maybe? Three, four? Yeah. The last, since 2018, um, three. Okay, so you've had three in the last four years. Mm-hmm. So we have a single mother of uh, three, hustling her butt off, 54 years old, three or four surgeries in the most recent years, still going strong, and um, you're, in my eyes, the best 50-plus racer on the female side in the country, North America. No. Do you know this? Uh, am no. I lying? Maybe I Heather a, Golnick. I, I was going to say, Heather Golnick is, is, she's not in my age group, um, but in my eyes, she's my biggest competition. If I could ever beat her, I would be just so happy. Mm. <laughs> but well, I you can run with gonna, her. It just seems run, to be. Yeah. I can run with her. But again, because of my knee, um, these uh, mountain races, I just cannot bomb the downhills. And mm-hmm. so she, I mean, I caught her, San Luis Obispo, I, I caught her, she was cramping, I think. Um, and then I failed the rig, and then I never saw her again. So. I am. So um, may I ask you, and again, I am, I'm bragging on your behalf, because I know you're very humble. <laughs> um, when is the last age group race that you've lost? Um, oh, that would have been, um, I came in second uh, in, uh, West Virginia last year because I had COVID and I collapsed. That's the one where they had to take me to the hospital Shoot. because my, yeah, that was bad. Shoot, I, I, for, COVID I so forgot bad. about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was one of those where you didn't, you didn't know you were sick. And then you found out when you're out there, I've also gone and had to pick you up from the emergency room after a race in Tahoe. We have a deep history <gasps> oh, where you got goodness. hypothermia. You yes. remember that day? Oh, yeah, that was that was not one of my like prouder moments either. Well, you you lost that battle, but it wasn't for a lack of trying. No, but I learned from that, and the next year I came much more prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tahoe will teach you a few things, whether it goes well or it doesn't. Right. Um, so yeah, so I have so we have this this stud of a woman here, Dilo Connor, who. You know, if for any of you like, you know, that listen to the podcast regularly and Darla, I know you do like, I feel like the the conversation of the aging athlete has been coming up more and more, mostly like I'm 39. I know you think I'm young, but in the relative scheme of, of endurance athletics, like I'm getting to the upper age range of like top end potential. And so, and Bracken is a few years behind me, but point being is like the aging athlete has come up, um, and you've managed to do it successfully now into like you know 54 and you've done it for your entire life and you've gone through a bunch of shit 
along the way, including, you know, like, I think you're one of those people who just work, put your head down, work hard and do what's required on the life front, on the work front, on the training front, on the racing front. And you're still going at it hard at 54. And I think that's worth a conversation. What do you think? I mean, I'm on board. It's, <laughs> and, and you're right. It's It hasn't been a smooth road all of the, all throughout my running career. But um, I just love it so much. I'm not ready to give up until I have no option. When was the closest you've been up to this point to throwing in the towel? I don't know the answer to this. I'm actually curious because you've had some opportunities already. How close have you um, been? I haven't been. Like in my brain, after every surgery, I'm like, okay, it's time to rehab and time to get back out there. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like uh, running is my therapy. It's my, my identity almost besides who I am as a mom and my career, uh, when the day comes that I can't run another step is going to be a really, really hard day for me. Mm -hmm. So you've never been close. I mean, with the knee surgeries, the basically hamstring, hamstring reattachment surgery, all those, you were always like, I, I, it's not, now's not the time. Exactly. Yeah. I love and it. I just, this... I just keep talking to my surgeon saying, okay, you know, this is where I'm at. What can we do to keep me going? Mm -hmm. And what does your surgeon say to you then? He says I'm crazy and that he can't believe I'm still even running considering what my knee is. And um, mm -hmm. but, but he's like, you know, you must have a high pain tolerance, which I'm, I, I do, I'm sure. For perspective, um, Darla uh, had been running through so much pain that she was um, – unknowingly eating ibuprofen like candy at one point in her life went out for a girl's night uh had one drink i believe mm -hmm. collapsed and fell on the floor got rushed to the this is all amidst all of her big performances folks by the way like there's a lot to unfold with you gets rushed to the er in an ambulance and the people there don't believe that you're not an alcoholic because your liver enzymes are through the roof and like you come in and you have alcohol on your breath you had one drink you're not like a drinker by any means and all that was because you were so determined to keep running through pain that you somehow ate too many ibuprofen too many times. Yeah. Right? What What was the story there? Fill, fill the audience so, in. And then we're going to go to your backstory, but I just want to give them a glimpse of, like, how damn stubborn you are. <laughs> so this was, that was due to my knee pain. Um, gosh, going back to 2017, um, because of my age, I started showing signs of uh, – uh, my cartilage wearing away, which is very typical. Um, but mine got to the point where it was completely gone. I had no more cartilage on the the medial aspect, the inside of my knee. Mm -hmm. um, and then I tore my meniscus all the way through as well. So I was completely bone on bone. Um, and that's really painful. And so how long were uh, you training? How long were you training through no cartilage and a completely torn meniscus? How long was that going on for? Probably about a year and a half. Fully yeah. torn meniscus, no mm -hmm. cartilage. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. Okay, continue. Right, right. So to abate the pain as much as possible, I was um, taking 800 milligrams of ibuprofen in the morning, in the afternoon, and before bed. Plus, my uh, I had seen a, a you know ortho person about it, and he had a doctor. Um, he had prescribed a 
anti-inflammatory for me that I didn't realize was in the same family as ibuprofen. So I was taking a prescription strength on top of all the other that I was taking. Oh um, so essentially, um, I was killing my liver and I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so that all came to a head. So I didn't know about the prescription medication as well. Um, mm -hmm. And even then you were talking about how much dang pain you were in. You're so dang stubborn, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just constant, you know, every step I felt it. Mm -hmm. you know, there, there was there was no escaping it. Yeah, it's almost a conversation. It's too bad. Bracken should be here for this conversation because uh, there's a lot of parallels there. And I'm sure he has a lot of curiosities and he'll draw inspiration from this, I think, too. But um, OK, we have more stories like that. And for perspective, by the way, taking four ibuprofen three times a day. Uh, what do you weigh? One hundred five, one hundred ten pounds. What do you weigh? You're a small yeah. statured woman. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I fluctuate. You're exactly right. Between 105, okay. 110. Not that weight matters, but in this relation to how much ibuprofen you're taking, it certainly <gasps> does. So I feel like that'd be like an adult male my size taking like six ibuprofen three times a day, which would just be like mind-blowing. Um, yeah. But anyway, so I want to get to know you. Um, I know, you know, I know you. I don't know mm -hmm. all the details that are coming up, but I just want to get a little bit of a background on you. Um, so everybody gets to know you, and then I kind of want to dive into, especially like these last, I don't know, what since we started working together, really, you ran a what three? What was your marathon time when we first started working together? Oh gosh, um, I had my PR with you at forty six because I had never trained correctly, and I had run at yeah. five six marathons before that. But yeah, three sixteen. Three sixteen at forty six, mm -hmm. um, which mm -hmm. is awesome. We've been through that, and then this, the injuries came, and the surgeries came, and um, I would argue you didn't lose a lot of your performance even to this day. Uh, even from that 46-year-old performance. But um, point being, we've been through a lot together. We can un we can uncover all of that. But uh, we got to get to know Darla. Like, where does this this bionic woman uh, stem from and, you know, all that? Um, so why don't, you why don't you bring us back, Darla? Because I know you're a Midwesterner-ish, mm -hmm. but uh, I don't really know much more about your upbringing. Like, fill me in, Darla. Where'd you come from? Where'd you grow up? Um, well, I was born and raised in Mason City, Iowa. So um, not a super small town, but uh, not a booming metropolis either. Mm -hmm. But um, so in my, I was always an athlete though from at the time I could, could walk, um, always outside playing, grew up in an area where I, you know, we could go out at the sun rising and come back when parents yelled for us to come in right those are um, the days Dad. those were the those days were the days yep and there weren't a lot of girls in my neighborhood so i played with the boys um and i had two older brothers so i was always playing basketball um i was the all-time center for the football game you know like and i was probably like 40 pounds at that time 50 pounds i was teeny tiny um you're playing backyard football with the boys yeah, and baseball, uh -huh. and so I remember, um, and we're talking 70s and 80s, um, I was playing baseball with the boys, and I wanted to play on the boys' baseball summer league so badly, and my neighbor was the coach for the boys' team, and he's like, you can't, no, no girls allowed, you know, and mm -hmm. I was so mad, you know, I just couldn't understand the unfairness of that. Um, so well, you've always been a little boy crazy. So was it because you were <laughs> boy crazy or was, or was it because you really wanted to show those boys what's up? 
it's because I knew I could show up some of those boys. And I was. I'm giving you a hard time, and I believe you. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure I liked being with the boys as well. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, you know, first competitive opportunities for me were in middle school. Um, played basketball. I uh, played uh, um, softball. And then um, my parents were golfers. And so when I was eight years old, I picked up my first golf club and started walking around with them on the golf course. Um, so I played, played golf, too. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Did you ever get to play with the boys or did, was that that didn't happen? I tried and I got my parents involved. And, you know, back then it was like, no, girls are not allowed to play with boys. So, no, I never really? got to. It was crazy. Yeah, it's crazy now thinking about it. But. Um, yeah, they, I, they, I could not. So I played on the girls softball league. So mm. Constellation. Just, yeah. I still get to play. Um, mm. and then, um, so, uh, middle school, super competitive, but you know, it's middle school and, and ironically, Kirk, um, I was not a runner and at all. And all my friends were on the track team and I wanted to hang out with them. So I joined just so I could be with everybody and I was I was a hundred meter hurdler <laughs> if you can believe that no I can't believe that so you're what five one five yeah two? how tall are you just shy of five two mm-hmm. well, let's call it five we'll call it five two five two and you were a hundred meter hurdler you go under the hurdles or over them <laughs> I went over them and I don't know how I did it thinking back to it um but I was pretty good too I don't I don't know I was competitive at it. So this is middle school. Yeah. Middle school. Um, but it was the shortest race and I thought it was fun to jump over those hurdles. So I can remember sitting in the stands and watching one of my best friends. She did the 800 and I thinking to myself, wow, how does she run around that track two times? I I was just like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was like, I could never do that. Um, then fast forward to high school, and uh, I, I i don't remember exactly. My neighbor was a runner, and she was a nurse, and I really looked up to her. So I was like, well, I'm going to try running someday and see if I can do it. And so I went out and ran a couple miles and built and built. And she looked at me one day, and she's like, you are really fast. You should try and do a road race. And so I jumped in my first 10K road race, and I won it. So, wow! How I, old were you then? The bug was bitten. Uh, that was the summer before my sophomore year of high school. And you just casually won the 10K in your age group for the females. What? For the females. Mm-hmm. Do you remember how fast you ran? Uh, I'm sure it's under, irrelevant, but yeah, no, it was just under a seven-minute mile pace, I believe. Untrained, basically, you ran sub seven-minute pace for a 10K. Wow. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of girls that struggle to break seven minutes in the mile in high school, like on the track. That's not easy for a lot of the high school girls to do. All right. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm learning. And this time, if I'm not mistaken, um, you were like a high-end golfer, though. Like that was your sport, wasn't it? Like you were you were consumed with, with that mostly, weren't you? Yeah, for sure. I grew up on a golf course, basically. Um, I lifeguarded and, and uh, was a swim instructor all <laughs> morning. And then I would finish work and I'd hit the golf course and I'd be out there till sunset. Um, and then on the, I was on the uh, high school golf team 
and we made it to state all four years. I was on the team. So wow. that, that was a big part of my life. And then when I started running, um, my golf started, you know, suffering because I wasn't spending as much time. I was, you know, loving running and stuff. So um, I had to make a decision going into to college. Uh, do I want to pursue golf or running? And I chose running. It's not the uh, it's not the age old combo, the golf running combo. It's not the combo you hear of very often. In fact, I'm scratching my head trying to think of one person I know personally who had to choose between those two things. Right. What what made you a good golfer? Why do you think? Because so I know you pretty well. Um, mm -hmm. We spent a lot of time together, and you're, I mean, you're 54, but you are more high energy than like a 14 year old boy at times. Like you are, it's in you, like to move. Like I don't. The, the game of golf, I've never seen you golf. So I'm like, what made you a good golfer? Because you're so high energy. Like, yeah. how'd you pull that off? Actually, that was probably my biggest downfall, Kirk, was that um, I was too high strung and too, um, like, my anger level, <laughs> like, my <laughs> frustration. I did not have the patience for it. And so um, if I was having a bad day and I was – you know, not hitting the ball well, it was all over, you know, because I just couldn't calm down and relax. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't have the mental uh, fortitude to be a high-end golfer. Yeah. Well, obviously you had some because you did fairly well, but lucky yeah. for you, that quality pans out real well on, <laughs> like out on the roads and the trails and track, doesn't it? Yes, and I was always getting in trouble in school because um, I wouldn't sit still, and I'd always fall over in my chair. And um, <laughs> like, why, why are you falling over in your chair? What the heck are you doing? You falling over in your chair? I was chair just for? like wiggly all the time, and like <laughs> <laughs> you're still wiggly. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't sit still, and yeah, it was it was a problem. I'd get in trouble all the time. Hmm. All right, painting a picture. Yeah. Um, were your parents athletes at all? Um, obviously, you didn't know much about endurance, like running. So, what was that? What was that background? No, not at all. Neither of my parents, uh, to my knowledge, had an athletic background um, at all. At all, um, they golfed. Uh, that's about all. Hmm. Brothers, yeah. what about them? Um, my oldest brother. Uh, did wrestling and he ran a little bit, but, um, nothing like competitive or anything. Um, and then my middle brother, uh, played football and okay. that's, that's pretty much it, but not a real athletic family. I was really the only one that pursued any, and, you know, did a lot with it. First generation runner, we'll yes. call it. See, I had my my father for an example who I, you know, looked up to and he would run the local road races and I saw his newspaper articles from back in the day where he was a state champion and I had like of course I was going to be a runner. I want you want to be like dad, right? Like you didn't have any of that, which I think is a harder path to pave to be honest. So yeah. so walk me through high school before we jump too far. Like what did high school go like for you on the running front? When did you end up actually running track and cross country or if you did cross country? Like how did that work? And just in high school alone? Yeah, so that summer when I run that with won that first 10k, then I thought, well, maybe I should try cross country. And so um, I walked on the team in the fall. And um, again, I went to a small Catholic school, so um, we weren't in the largest class. 
Um, but one of the girls on my team, coincidentally, had been the state champ the year before. So she was my idol, you know, like sure. her name, her name was Nancy. And um, I just glommed onto her and ran with her. And um, I, I, I could stick with her. So that was encouraging. Uh, and so we trained together and we became good friends. And uh, when state came, she placed first and I placed seventh that year, my freshman wow. year, sophomore year, my first time running. Mm-hmm. Not many people that can uh, join a endurance or a cross country team and latch on to the state champion in training. Wow. So you were seventh in your division, your first crack at it. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. And then did yeah. that continue into track that spring? Um, actually it did not because here we go with my first injury. Um, I, I had to have my first knee surgery that summer or that I should say after that cross country season. Um, I don't recall exactly. It was meniscus related if I remember right. Um, but that kind of sidelined me for the rest of that year. So then, um, coming back, I, uh, was, you know, my junior year and senior year, um, Again, I was struggling a lot with uh, what I now then discovered was, and you've had shin issues as well, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it turned out I had severe compartment syndrome. Do you know what that is? Oh, yeah. Um, we've, ta- we've had a discussion about it on the podcast. Um, Aaron Newell, I believe, has had the surgery. We had him on and talked about it, but it's supposed to be one of the most excruciating uh, injuries you can yeah. have. Yeah, so that kind of like discouraged me from doing – like I didn't get to run competitively too much my my junior and senior year, um, and then um, my freshman year of college, I went to school at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. What? So yes, so there was no competitive running outdoor running there. Um, Hold I, on, I need to slow you down for a second. Okay. I need to slow you down. This is a good thing. I got some questions. First of all, I want you to tell people because um, I want to learn something here. Uh, compartment syndrome, mm-hmm. which often gets mistaken for shin splints mm-hmm. until you realize the severity of these shin splints are so astronomical, they can't possibly be shin splints. Do you, can you Correct. describe what compartment syndrome is for the listeners? Do you have that I, I can. Knowledge? First, okay, I, absolutely. I, believe me, I learned all about it because um, eventually I had to have the surgery, and I, I can explain <clears throat> that too. But um, so on the – my – like right along the bone on your your tibia in your shin yeah. on the side um i was having excruciating pain like like i can't even describe it um and it, it try for it, me um, try to describe it gosh it's been so long now um just a sharp pain with every step um and all up and down that bone it, and and it, it the whole length of the bone not like the, in one spot it like radiated it radiated radiated but i would have hot spots that uh, along the way that were like were ex- really hot and really okay. painful um and i mean i continued running um but i couldn't put the miles in you know to really be you know a competitive person at that time um but still loved running and wasn't going to you know quit and i was trying everything you know, icing, uh, anything I could think of to try and alleviate the pain. But back then, mm-hmm. we're talking, you know, 80s, um, just 
you know, we don't have the knowledge uh, or we didn't have the access to the knowledge as much then mm -hmm. as, you know, there was no Google, there was no internet. Um, yeah. And small know. town Iowa, probably not to generalize, but I assume like if you're in a bigger city, maybe you would have had access to that. But right. Knowledge potentially, yeah. Ex exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So my coach had no clue. She just said I had shin splints and I would be icing them and icing them. But yeah, it, it, it pretty much sidelined me. Um, then again, I went to. So college. what is what is compartment syndrome, though? So um, if, if you're familiar with what, um, uh, you know, people sometimes get carpal tunnel. So it's yep. the same idea, but in your shins. So in your, mus your muscles, in your calves, um, are surrounded by a sheath. Um, and so they're compartmentalized inside the soft tissue. And mm -hmm. in each compartment of each of those compartments is your muscles along with blood vessels and nerves. And so my muscles were swelling as I, you know, my muscles grew and mm -hmm. that would put pressure on the nerves and the blood vessels. And I was losing toenails because I wasn't having circulation to my feet, um, and my sciatic nerve, I would have nerve pain up into my back was getting cut off um, because wow. of all, because of all that pressure. Yeah. So and you, you nailed it. It's, you know, really um, compartment syndrome is an impingement of the nerve. And if anybody's had nerve pain, like you, you pinch a nerve in your neck or your back, you can know how excruciating that is. And then to have that whole length of the nerve impinged, uh, sending signals to your brain about pain every time. I mean, it's just it's supposed to be pretty wretched. So. Um, okay. I just wanted to make sure people like knew what that was. Cause if there's anybody out there that has like shin splints in quote, and they can't get them to go away. And it's like, what the heck I'm barely running. And I have this, or they're just so bad. Um, it's not likely, but that, that syndrome does exist and people do have it, especially runners more than anybody. So just for, you know, maybe one person out there who's struggling with shin splints might be worth looking into. So I wanted to dwell on that for a second. Right. Um, okay. So now you can continue your story. Okay. So then I went to my freshman year at University of Alaska Fairbanks. Um, no running there. I did run outside and stuff, but, it, you know, it's we think it's cold in Minnesota. That's cold up there. So um, Why Fairbanks? I mean, being from Iowa, how'd you end up yeah. in Yeah. So at the time, um, when I was a sophomore in high school, I met my first love, and he played um, – what's junior a hockey. Um, and so he, he was eight older than me, graduated from high school and was playing on the team that was in Mason city. And I met him and he got a full ride hockey scholarship to U of a. Um, so he went up there my senior year. And then I went up there when I graduated from my freshman year, his sophomore year. Um, but one year was enough for me. And I said, I'm out of here. Did that love work out? Was that worth the travel? Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, we're still to this day very good friends. He's a did he guy. become your husband? No, he did okay. not. Because so he never chased my... boys around. No, because he was my first love. And when I got, when I, we both, actually, he came with me. He followed me. We transferred to St. Cloud State in Minnesota. And he oh. got a full ride there, Division One. Um, uh, but then I was like, I started noticing other boys <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all darla <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, you still notice the boys i do still notice the boys 
Um, and I was like, I need to like maybe explore some of these other young men. Um, so <laughs> I want to ask follow up <laughs> questions here. All right. So so we broke up, but like I yep. said, to this day we stayed in touch, and um, and I'm still very good. He's one of my dearest, oldest friends. So good guy. Um, so at this point, just to, so I make sure I'm understanding this, you ran basically one cross-country season as a sophomore in high school, took seventh in state in your division, then went on to have injury-plagued junior and senior years and never put together a, a full season, so to speak. Um, exactly. So your p pinnacle was as a sophomore in high school. Now, why didn't you pursue golf in college? Was that not an option? Because I'm assuming you were still doing that. No, that was an option. I had scholarship off offers from several schools, um, but uh, I wanted to go to Fairbanks, and I didn't have any offers there, so um, I, I didn't take any of them. Bobsled so, team? Is that a thing? Pardon me? Bobsled team? Did that not exist there? You, you, know what I, that? you know what I did do, though, Kirk, um, and this will surprise you, um, I was also kind of like, I was huge into basketball. I played basketball uh, at, in high school. Um, and so when I got to Fairbanks, I thought, I'm going to walk on the basketball team. <laughs> and so I did, and I made the team. Um, but, again, I was a lowly little freshman, you know, walk-on, so um, didn't get a lot of playing time, but um, it, but it was fun. And Five-foot-two point guard, I assume? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, but I was fast, so oh, I was yeah, kind of like nimble. I was like that little annoying fly around them. But <laughs> but I had a good shot, so that that served me well. But anyway, that was more just for fun and to and to keep active. Um, and then transferred to St. Cloud State, walked on the cross country team, and um, made the team. But again, when I started running hard and training hard, those darn you know that compartment syndrome flared up. And so mm -hmm. I had I had to have the surgery, um, and so I had that surgery my sophomore year, and it was very successful. And uh, it was okay. Yes. This is oh your second goodness. surgery already, as a uh, sophomore yes. in, in mm -hmm. college. You've already had two running related surgeries. Yes. Yes. Wow. And this one was the most uh, aggressive ones to date. Um, I had they had to you know go in and re they what they do is they cut that tissue that that surrounds the, the compartment that, and it, they, they cut it open so they can expand without putting that pressure on those nerves. Um, mm. So you have to open up every, the, the muscle encapsulation. Yes. Um, I guess most of you listening have never butchered a deer, but I have. <laughs> and, <laughs> no. and that, and that's, especially in the lower legs, it, it's this really, uh, like grinuous, hard, sheath and all the muscles are encapsulated in them it's actually very cool to do when you start like i'm very into like anatomy physiology but you know biomechanics all of that and so it's actually very interesting because when i when i have you know butchered a deer um you get down to the lower leg and the sheath is like i mean it is thick it is firm it is hard it is encapsulating like there's nowhere for the muscle to go in there it is like a little ball and there, you can't escape so imagine cutting that open has to be like very very hard on your body like that had to be a lot of pain for a long time so you're basically getting rid of your muscles confinement in a sense so like, what did that feel like yeah um it, it didn't feel good i actually got foot drop because he nicked one of the nerves um so my foot was just hanging there 
So I had to do lots and lots of physical therapy to get that back mm. and, and going. Um, then I was in casts from the knee down for quite a while, but I could wait, obviously was weight bearing. I wasn't in a wheelchair. Um, mm. So just hobbled along campus uh, for that year. And then um, I was able to to start running again um, during track season. That, that of year. your sophomore year. Of my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's uh, wrap up your college career then. What did that go like? Okay, um, I am not. My strength, as you know, is not short and fast. And we did, you know, uh, college was five Ks. Um, so I was always front of, you know, front half of the pack. Um, but was never, I never won any of the races, um, but I was always right up, right up in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, so, you know, I was number one and two on my team along with my teammate and she went on to be a, a Olympic trial. Uh, mm-hmm. she, she made the Olympic trials, so she was oh, a wow. national runner. So in what event, uh, the, the marathon she, okay. she went on to, so, um, Anyway, so, uh, so you know, successful, but not like anything earth-shattering. I never, you know, won nationals or anything like that in, in college. Um, then when I started to really blossom was after college because then I started competing in longer races. So more the 10K, the half marathons, um, and I was finding much more success in those areas because that's you were healthy for the first time in a while which helps makes a huge difference yeah well i do i think i think the biggest talent an endurance athlete can have is the talent to stay injury free like you've been blessed with a biomechanics or a structure or system or soft tissue connections in which just don't seem to bat an eyelash at all this pounding we put ourselves through. I still think that's the greatest gift any athlete can have is the ability to stay injury-free, which you have not had. Maybe you had a period of time, but okay. So you gave up golf. Did you give up all that other stuff? What? Uh, I didn't give up golf. I was still golfing, but, um, you know, just for pleasure, for fun. Um, and, and, but mostly, but then, you know, after college, I was working full time and, you know, a whole different lifestyle. So, um, Mm just didn't have the time to golf as much as I would have liked to, but, but made the time for running every day, um, did that and then started again, like I said, and then I decided to try my very first marathon, um, in early twenties, um, had no clue what I was doing. And again, no knowledge whatsoever, you know, nutrition wise, training wise, anything just went, Mm -hmm. just kind of did it on my own and winged it. Um, and I ran my first marathon in 3:30, I believe. Um, and back then, there was no such thing as like goos or you know energy or anything mm-hmm. to bring along. I, I drank water at every water station, and if there was Gatorade on along the way, I was really happy to get some of those electrolytes back. Um, so, I, you know, I, I just. Sometimes I look back and I think, man, if I would have had Kirk back mm-hmm. then, and if I would have had, you know, a lot more knowledge and the proper nutrition, um, coulda, shoulda, woulda, but I think mm-hmm. I could have had a lot higher potential than what I was showing that I ever showed. 
Well, let's talk about that because I think a lot of people, like when they get into, like, first of all, you had a college coach, so you did learn some fundamentals. Just even if you just emulate what you did in college, that's more than most people that, you know, find running, even in their mid 20s, it's more knowledge than they would have. So, like, what, what were you doing? Like, how did, how did you navigate that, that training on your own? And, and that's exactly what I did, Kirk. I just did what I did all through college and just did more of it. So mm-hmm. started building up my miles um, and using some of the same speed workouts, but just did more. Um, so I, I was fortunate to at least have, have that background. And that, okay. that helped me for sure. What was your yeah. longest runs? What were the longest runs you were going on back then? Um, well, eventually I joined a local, uh, running club called ALARC, American Lung Association Running Club or something. Mm -hmm. And they did a marathon, they did a marathon training course and that helped me a lot. So, Mm -hmm. um, my first marathon, my, probably my longest run was maybe 18 miles. Yeah. I had no clue what I was doing, but then, yeah, getting there. Um, and it got me through, uh, and then once I did that running club, then, you know, we did like, I remember right before the marathon, two 20 milers back to back or a 22 miler. We never did reach the 26 miles though. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the taper. Um, and then my time went down to like a 620, 625, something like that. So okay. 320 or 325. I'm so, oh, sorry. So sorry. Yes. 320. Yeah. So what do you think if you look back now, now that you know what you know, mm-hmm. um, and we're still learning, obviously, um, what do you think was missing then? Like if you look back at your training then, and now, like, like you said, we, we got you to 316 at 46 years old. Um, what do you think you weren't doing then that you should have been? Number one diet. I oh, was, right. yeah, I was not eating healthily, not having the proper nutrition for sure. Um, that was a downfall. Um, and then again, just kind of winging the training and and guessing. Um, so I didn't have any like set regiment. I'd be like, well, maybe I should just go out and run 10 today or I have time. I'll do 15 today. Um, and no, really no rhyme or reason to my training. Um, So, and again, um, my diet was horrible, um, lack of, I didn't eat nearly enough. Mm -hmm. Um, It's always been an issue with you. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, um, again, uh, no support nutrition along the way on my long runs. You know, Mm -hmm. I'd stop at a gas station and get some water, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's like, Uh I didn't even, I didn't even have a watch, you know, like back then I had a I never wore a running watch. I had no clue what my mile times were. You just went out and ran when you got just, done. Yep. And then home. I got done. I was home. Yep. Yeah. That's you. You miss those simpler times. Part of me does. You know, maybe, but, and because now I'm so, I think, you know, like I just did a, a 10 K a month or so ago and my watch, I had been having issues with it leading up to the race and my watch, you know, like wasn't working. And my first mile, it said um, I'd only gone a half a mile, and my time was like at 8.30. So mm-hmm. um, I've become so ingrained with, like, looking at my watch and knowing what my mile splits are and, and, and keeping on pace that way. 
um, that I don't know I'd do without it now. I, 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 that race was hard without it. Yeah, it's it's. I go back and forth on that because I've only seen it negatively impact any athlete I've had when it comes to metrics out on a training run or in a race. Like it can be affirming to see like, oh, I'm running the pace I need to. But if you don't have that to, like, let's say you're having a good workout. Um, I feel like you're going to have that good workout regardless. In fact, you may even get a little more out of it if your watch isn't there. Um, but the bad workouts or like the races in which you're not seeing the metrics you want almost lead to more self-destruction, I feel like, than than good sometimes. I don't know. Have you have you experienced that? Like I try not to look at my, my watch a ton in races, for example, for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your experience been? Yeah, kind of the same. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying um, for sure. Uh, and my watch, I'm, I've got a simple one, just the, a Garmin Vivo, um, but it doesn't yep. show me altitude. Um, and uh, maybe that's a good thing because like at Big Bear and some of these high altitude races, um, I'm always like, oh my gosh, how much further can do we have to go? And if I had the altitude on my watch, I don't know if that would help me or be harder because I'd be like, oh my God, we still have another thousand to go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So might be a good thing not to have it. Well, let's, um, let's get into your lost years in my eyes. And by the lost years, I mean, like I understood what you did. And then I wanted, like I said, dive into like all your recent stuff with injury and racing and all that. But, um, you know, you, you, I had an idea of your high school and college stuff and then a little bit afterwards. And then there's like 20 years there where I don't know what you were doing and not to gloss over 20 years, but what were you doing then? As far as athletics go, I know you're having a family and and all that. Like what was going on with your athletics then? Mm -hmm, mm Um, well, I lived in California, um, due to my now ex-husband's career, we were out there. Um, so I, uh, just was running as much as I could every single day. And I'd go to the gym every single day to lift. Um, uh, I was known by any means nowhere where I'm at strength wise. Now I was Mm -hmm. just toning. Um, but again, like you said, I started having a family and I had, I had four babies. And so, um, that's a lot of, you know, time off. I never took time. I shouldn't say time off. Um, but you know, it, 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 takes away from training and racing um i ran through all of my pregnancies um towards the how end long? i would um, like how far into them up until the babies were born <laughs> what do you mean what do you mean by that <laughs> they all my kids came early um from 34 weeks my my oldest son came very very early 34 weeks um wasn't expecting that so i was running i ran the day he he was born um, oh <laughs> and I wouldn't even call it running. I was trotting with my big old belly out in front of me. Um, what about the other two? Like, let's say baby mm-hmm. was born on a Saturday. What day was the last day you went for a run? Uh, Friday. <laughs> oh my so at like, so at like eight or nine months pregnant, you're, you're up to the bitter end. I was out there. And again, I don't, and How come? I don't even... towards the end. I'm curious. I mean, I think it's great. Um, uh, because I could and, and it made me feel better. And, um, it just, you know, it kept my mental stability going, you know, 
and I wasn't working at that time. So it, yeah, it, it, it helped me. I, I don't know. Mm. It kept, kept me going through it. Some so days you are where... proof, you are proof that like, you know, there's a, a lot of people can get, uh, oftentimes can get concerned with exercising late in pregnancy and it's contraindicated, but as far as I understand it, and obviously you're living proof, if you've been running, you can continue to do your activity. Just make sure you're not being moronic about your effort levels. And oh, those pregnancies turned out turned out okay. I mean, I've, yeah. I've met all your kids except your oldest, I suppose, and everybody's doing right. great. So that's good to hear. I like hearing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did have to wear a heart monitor, um, and I was monitored by a physician. They kept an, my, my OBGYN um, told me. A heart I monitor had... for what? Uh, to keep my heart rate below a certain level so that... What did they it, tell you? Um, gosh, Kirk, ooh, I don't remember now. I, so I don't, your, I don't your physician would be like, your heart rate can't get above 150, and if it does, you need to slow down or walk, and so you followed those rules. Exactly. If if Got I it. was pushing it a little bit too hard, to, and this was more towards the end, you know, um, uh, if my heart rate got too high when I was running, and then I'd be like, okay, I need to just like, take it back a little bit, not push myself so hard. Um, Got it. Just, just to be on the safe side. Um, so yeah, I ran through every pregnancy and then, um, invested in a lot of jogging strollers. First was a single with my son and then a double as I had another child and, um, just kept running all, you know, the whole time. And, Hmm. and then eventually started, you know, getting back into out there, I joined a, um, I was on a local running store race team. So I, you know, do races with them, um, and local races and go down into San Francisco and do races and stuff. So Hmm. traveled a a bit in California, Northern California is where we were. Um, and so that kept me into the running game. Um, and, uh, then, uh, came back, moved to or back to Minnesota, uh, job transfer, again, for my, my ex-husband. Um, mm. And then uh, in 2014, and I was still running, uh, doing more marathons, road races, um, things like that, um, and, and winning most of my races for my age group. Um, mm-hmm. And very, I was finding a lot of success, again, in the longer road races. Um, and then in 2014, um, got a divorce. And my kids were a little older, um, and I said, I'm going to do something for myself, and I'm gonna, I am gonna—I want to do a marathon and do it right. And I had been heard about you and followed you on uh, Instagram, or I don't remember, social media. Maybe it was mm-hmm. Twitter. I don't remember. Um, and that's how I found you to begin with and reached out to you, and the rest is history. Wow. You came to me post-divorce, huh? Ready to invest in yourself, we'll call it. Exactly. And, and, Hmm. you know, I, I raised my family. Um, of course my kids, my youngest daughter was still pretty little then. Mm -hmm. Um, but my other ones were old enough to stay home and watch and I could get some good runs in, you know, Mm -hmm. what was some of your, um, your personal best? Cause you basically raced on the roads. I mean, Mm -hmm. and and the trails, I don't think you were hopping in too many track meets. Oh no! After college, right? Or if if any, so like, do you do you know some of your best like um, from then, or, or I guess your lifetime PRs? I suppose they'd probably be at this point. What what are they for like the five k and and all of those up five k, ten k, marathons, yeah. three sixteen? Gosh, um, 
stretching my memory here. Um, 5K was 18-something. I don't remember the exact. Um, a 10K was probably 39-ish, I think. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, my uh, uh, marathon was with you, which mm-hmm. was a 316. And I, I did a, a, some 10-milers, half-marathons in there that was, was like right around 125 for the half. Yeah. I want to I say. Quick. Mm-hmm. I might be. Those might be your best your best uh, races, actually. I'd oh, say yeah. half marathon those, by perspective. Those, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, again, that's kind of my sweet spot. Hour and a half. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Got it. I'm painting this picture. Now, what would you say, like, um, being a mom, and I believe you were a stay-at-home mom most of those years, I believe, correct, until recently. But then you, I mean, after your divorce, then you had uh, you got a job, and you still had the kids at home, and then it all became more complicated. And you ran, yes. may I say, your marathon PR well doing all of those things, um, yeah. which is even more impressive. Like, what was the tough, what was, like, some of the note? notable like the the difficult things about being a mom uh stay-at-home mom with the training like how'd you navigate fitting that all in um are you talking pre-divorce or let's go pre-divorce first um yep uh so i would get up at 4 35 o'clock in the morning and um while he my well he was still home get my workout in and be home by eight and then he'd leave for work um, I, I want then, you to say that again. I want there's going to be a person out here that needs to hear that. What did you do? Even though you in quotes weren't working, <laughs> okay, which yeah. is not true when you're when you're a mother like you like you are and were. Mm-hmm. Tell me again how you got your workouts in. Can you say that one more time, please? I would get up at five, like four forty-five. I remember yeah. set that alarm, and I would get up and I would run, do my run, and then um, I would go to the gym. Uh, that was right there by our house and I would lift for half hour 45 minutes um, and then get home by 8 o'clock and then take over mom duty and he'd head to work um, what about those nights when the kids were up and baby had a bad night mm, what about those days there were lots of those um, yeah mm-hmm. still still get up or sometimes I'd barely been asleep you know because you, you get up every couple hours to feed the baby too when the little ones are when they're little little um, so you were even doing it then, like even little, little getting up to feed in the middle of the night. You're still, alarm was going off. You were out putting your running shoes on. 100%. 100%. Mom. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And not that it's, you know, if there's a, if there's a valid excuse in the books, it's, it's, it's health. And I think it's your children or your family. Mm-hmm. Think like, I'm not going to give you too hard of a time if it's obviously in relation to your health that you can't run or exercise or if it's in relation to your family. Uh, those are, yeah, your, your free passes with me in a sense. However, I've heard from a lot of parents, like, I don't know when to squeeze it in. I can't get these things done. And not everybody's circumstances is the same as you're outlining, of course. Like maybe, you know, dad is going to work or mom is going to work and earlier or who knows the case. But you still set that alarm early. You still got up early, huh? I did. Even though you you were a stay-at-home mom who could work out whenever, that is not the case. You knew you had to get it done. Oh, yeah, get that it. was not the case. I had, yeah. you know, <clears throat> when all th- – I, I say I had I had four babies, um, 
and not to bring the show down, but uh, mm-hmm. I lost one of my children um, when he was three weeks old. He was born mm-hmm. with the cord around his throat um, and was on life support for three weeks. Um, and then we, we had to, to mm-hmm. let him go. Um, but so when all of my oldest son was uh, seven and then I had a, a five-year-old and a newborn. So um, there was a big gap in between my, in there. Sure. Um, but uh, you just, I just, you know, again, if I wanted to get it done, it had to be before he left for work because otherwise, you know, I was going from eight o'clock until he got walked through the door. And even then, you know, still had to make dinner and do everything else. So they what do you say busy. to the people? What do you say to the people that think that's crazy? Like, Getting up at four forty-five, four thirty, like I'm not gonna do that. Like that's ridiculous. That's not even healthy for you. What would you say to those people who like won't even entertain that? What do you yeah. think? What do you, what do you think you should say? What what would you say to them? Anything? You know, it 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 was. If I didn't do it, I would have felt bad about you know like ugh, and my, you know I'd be t- more tired, more lethargic. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of got me going for the day it energized me and um and it was the one thing I had for me you know for the rest of the day I had kids hanging off of me or I was chasing them to gymnastics or soccer you know whatever it was so that was the couple hours I had to do something for me that I enjoyed yep get up early respect how many days a week did you get up early like that seven (laughs) oh okay all seven i mean um maybe six but for sure at least six yeah i might have taken sundays off trying to probably you probably deserved it i would yeah Uh uh-huh um okay and then so then the divorce happens Mm -hmm. don't need to dwell on the details there however then you go through this transition where i believe all your kids are still at home yep and i have full custody 90 percent of the time yeah Full custody of mm-hmm. the kids. Um, you found me how long after the divorce? Like I was still living. I wasn't completely divorced, but it was coming. I was working on it. Okay, you're working on it. Mm-hmm. So you got divorced. Now you have full custody of three kids. Yeah. Uh, what changed? Like how did you navigate things then? I know your kids were older then. Um, but I think you still had a couple in middle school at least. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So let's see, Reagan, my youngest was born in 2005. So she was, um, six, seven, eight, nine, nine, nine when I got a divorce. Yep. So, um, I had a nine, um, a 13 year old and a 15 year old. So, um, I was able to continue to get up in the morning and go you know, do get my workout in because I had a 15-year-old at home and a and a and a 13-year-old at home who could help me out with the little one. She so that was known, like run. mom's going to get up and go out for a run. So what would they? They just were allowed to sleep, and if if they needed anything, little one would know to go to them quickly till you got home. Yeah, or mm-hmm. yeah, and she was nine by then, and and um, they were yeah. so used to mom's routine that they knew. You know, if they woke up and I wasn't there and they knew exactly where I was. Did you feel like you had to stay close to home or no? Uh, Yeah, of course. Of course. Because especially when I knew there wasn't another adult in the house. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, yes, I I stayed close to home. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would and check not... in after my run. I would check in before going to the gym, make sure everybody mm-hmm. was good. You made it work. Yeah. Your kids adore you. So I know that you did things right. Um, I've seen them all. And in fact, you brought, a, you brought, well, at least Allie, you brought in for sessions before, which has been fun to see her progress. Mm-hmm. So now I don't know when work started full time for you. Like now we add in work and we add in training and here amongst all of this, um, as we said, you still ran a lifetime best in all of it. So nothing ever changed for you. It was always morning, get up, get it done, get it out of the way. For example, Darla and I, she's part of a small group session I have on Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. Darla's at the gym at 5.50 to get your 60-minute prescribed run-in before our strength session. So you're done by 8, your hands are clean, free and clear, and you can go on. So has that been your pattern the whole time? Like just get up, do it? Pretty much, yeah. Because, I, I, you know, sometimes I would, I, I tried maybe trying an afternoon workout, um, but nine times out of 10, it just didn't happen because, you know, the kids have activities and I had to do other things and I was hungry and I was tired from working all day and it just, yeah, it wasn't as good for me. Morning is my best, freshest and ready to go. And then I got the rest of the day to worry about everybody else. Put yourself first and everybody else ends up being taken care of even better than if you didn't put yourself first at some point. I think the most important person in your life is yourself. I don't care how many kids you have. And now I don't have that perspective. You're a significant other. But if you do just those few things to fill your own cup, you're going to fill others' cup even better. So It's just like on the airplane when they say, put your mask on first, and then you're able to help those around you. Right. You can suffocate by taking care of everybody else, um, putting them before you and not meeting your own needs. And you, you knew that and still know that you need that to be square for the day. I think that's the biggest miss a lot of people make that can't stick to the program. And I've got a few of them right now and they're, they're frustrating me. And it's, mm-hmm. I slept in, I put it off to the end of the day and work got in the way. Something came up. I was too tired. Well, then I was hungry and then it was nine o'clock at night. And then I real I, I like, Oh my God, people like listen to Darla, just freaking get up. Yes. It's hard to get up. It is. It's not like it's easier for Darla or myself than anybody else. But like you develop that habit, you end up getting tired more early. You end up getting in a schedule in which you go to bed and get decent sleep. Like you just got to put on your big girl pants and your big boy pants. And you got to get up when your alarm goes off, get it done before the day starts. Stop making your excuses. Sure, you'll be tired for a few days in a row as you're adjusting. But like we're adults here. If you give a shit, you do the Darla approach. Get up early, and get it done. I feel passionate about that, by the way, because I've had a few lately who I want to scold. So that's my way of doing it without doing it directly. (laughs) No, Uh it's it's true. Um, And and again, like you said, there's some days where I'm like, oh, it's 30 below zero out. It's dark in the middle of winter and I'm all snuggled up with my dog and I'm like, I don't want to get up. But I know if I lay there and I don't get up, I'm going to be kicking myself. I won't be happy with myself. So. sets the tone for the rest of the day. That's for sure. 100%. And listen, I understand there's circumstances out there that don't facilitate early mornings for some people. Uh, I know there's, you know, it's, it, you, there's exceptions to everything, but for, as a rule of thumb mornings, get it done. Um, get it done. so do you know that you are my first exposure to Spartan race? I 
think so. I think I knew that. Yeah. Well, you brought it up to me because why don't you tell me about your first Spartan race? Was where it was. <laughs> Let's talk oh about my that. Goodness, that was that was uh, not not very cool. Um, so my oldest brother and his family and a lot of my family lives in Texas, uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area. And I was going down for my nephew's wedding, which was right outside of Austin, Texas. And my brother uh, calls me and he said, hey, this guy I work with, his wife does these races called Spartan races. And he's always bragging because she wins, you know, she does really good and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, I want you to run this race and beat her. <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, and he's, I'm like, what's a Spartan race? And he said, I don't know. It's like some kind of like mud run. And you, you know, you do some things along the way, probably like run through tires and run through some mud. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm game. So, mm -hmm. so, he, so he signed me up and I did no research, had no clue what a Spartan race was. He takes me to the venue that morning, drops me off. And I'm walking in and I'm like... Can you even stay to support you? Oh, no. He had to go get, <laughs> go get ready for the wedding. He was... All, like, yeah. all he cared... Oh, this is the morning of the wedding. So all you cared about... All he wanted you there for was to beat this chick. Yes. Little yes. did you know you're going to a wedding with a bunch of scabs on your knees and body. Oh, afterwards. my Bet goodness. you weren't ready for that. No. So he dropped... And I walk in and I you know, go through the registration, I get everything. I had no clue what to do with this stuff in the little bag, you know, like, mm -hmm. so I was watching other people around me putting on their, their uh, wristbands and everything. Back then, we didn't have the headbands, but um, what year was this? Uh, 2016? Or no, 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 no. Uh, 15. I think it would have been 15 ish. Yeah, Be sounds right. Yeah, because you and I did our first one together. And well, at the same time. Uh, 16, 16 right? I didn't start. Yeah. You, you had come back and, well, I'll mm -hmm. let you finish your story. So it was first. 15. Um, and I get there and I am walking over and I don't see a start line and I have never run a trail race in my life. And um, I just go walking over where I'm hearing a bunch of noise. And I was in the open wave because I didn't know what I was doing. And he signed me up actually. Um, and so uh, I get over there, and I'm, this guy was sitting on a stool beside a wall. And I was like, where's the starting line? And he's like, you got to go over the wall. And I looked at the wall, and I looked at him, and I'm like, I have to go over that wall to get to the starting? He's like, yeah. I had, I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I was watching everybody else, and so I jumped up. And like I said, I had been in a gym weight training but it was more just you know lightweight staying tone i wasn't mm -hmm. super strong by any means um, oh we were getting there though we had started working together i mean you yeah. were you were like cranking out 10 pull-ups at a time you were like you were pretty fit i would say yeah i guess mm -hmm. i guess you could say yeah mm -hmm. but i wasn't prepared for that and so i get myself over the wall and i remember they're doing the whole you know a root i'm like what can I swear on here? What in the hell is going on? And what did he get me into? You know, you sound and... very ill prepared. And to preface this, um, I had no idea that you were really doing this. Mm -mm. No, mm -mm. I don't even. Th I just told you I'm running a race at in Austin when I go down to my brother's wedding. I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so uh, I do the race, and <clears throat> it's 
grueling. Like the, back then they had the, there was like, I remember um, a, cement, a cement block on a chain and we had to drag it. And it was like really gravelly, rocky terrain. And I remember setting it down and I go, I can't do this. And the guy was he's like what do you mean you can't do it keep going keep going he was yelling at me so mm -hmm. I, I finished it and then there was um a tire flip and I'm like I couldn't even pick it up and I'm like screw that and I started to run away and the guy working goes wait 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 you got to do your burpees and I'm like what's what's a burpee and he goes do you see what those people are doing over there you got to go do 30 of those and I'm like oh like what the heck so I did it and kept running, you know, and every obstacle along the way, I had n no clue what to do and ended up doing probably a lot of burpees. And mm -hmm. like, this was the first race I'd ever run in my life where I ended up having cactus thorns embedded in my legs because it was like single track and you're running along. Um, How and, many sets of burpees did you do? Uh, I don't remember, Kirk, but it was probably upwards of 180, probably. Mm right around there, um, mm -hmm. a lot. Um, and anyway, I was cursing my brother the whole way um, along the race. <laughs> did you beat and that woman? I did, by a lot. That's right, um, baby. Yeah, yeah. So he was happy, and he had bragging rights then. And I was bruised and battered, like you said, and sore. Um, and uh, uh, But uh, I was like, I'm never doing that again ever that was horrible and then you come along you had watched it on christmas day or something yeah mm -hmm. and then came into so the you gym came and... back and you had told me i did the hardest thing i've ever done in my life mm -hmm. it was off you won open by the way i believe yeah. you won yeah. the open you the mm -hmm. open wave yeah. um he says the hardest thing i've ever done i think you might have said i'm not like i'm never doing that again it was like the stupidest thing whatever Honestly, I thought nothing of it. You told me Spartan. I was like, what is that? I don't even know if I looked into it and pulled up the website. You kind of told me. Uh, and then I just moved on and didn't even bat an eyelash. You said it was horrible. I was like, yeah, it's probably horrible. Uh, and then I <laughs> saw it on TV on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, the 2015 mm -hmm. World Champs were airing. And yeah. I knew you had run one and said it was horrible and hard. And I so then I paid attention to the TV even closer. And I was like, oh, oh. All right. I get it. And that's what actually, but you had planted the first seed, oddly enough. And I knew at a stud you were, you'd, I think you'd already run 316 uh, at that point yes. in the marathon. Mm -hmm. We, we, we mm -hmm. did that pretty quick. And so like, I was like, wow, this woman who's super fit and you're very fit. And I knew how strong you were in the gym and you still went and got wrecked. And I was like, I was all right, wrecked. this is, is actually hard. So how'd that progress then? So now you are the, well, you've already locked up the North American series I believe for your age group already this year, right? Yes. Because you mm -hmm. won Jacksonville, San Luis Obispo, and Big Bear. Yeah. The previous year, I think you won out as well. You won. Yeah. So um, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't. I think I, you've. I won oh, four. I ran four races, um, and again, I had three firsts and a second. That one where mm -hmm. I had COVID, and mm -hmm. I was projectile vomiting around mile six. <laughs> It doesn't even surprise me to you anymore. Like it, it's not like what's gonna go wrong or if something's gonna go wrong. It's like what's gonna go wrong. Yeah. Um, okay, so then I want to dive into so just to know. So then basically the Spartan thing takes off. I as your coach end up starting getting really into this. Then you end up like being like, hey, I'm gonna come back for more and 
and you picked up pretty quick. You were running elite for a while. You nipped on a few yeah. podiums, but obstacle failures early kept you off of podiums and some pretty big races. Yeah. Like you had some fourth and fifth yeah. place finishes in elite races at what, 46, 47, 48, like yeah. nobody over 40 in those races was even close to you. And then we decided after some surgeries and things to go focus on the, the age group series, which I think was a smart move. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but this whole time I just like, you know, Bracken's had three surgeries here in the last couple of years. Um, I'm constantly dealing with something, uh, mm -hmm. knock on wood, no surgery yet. Although I understand the end game in endurance athletics is typically surgery. If you keep pounding hard, um, yeah. like walk me through, what has this, this last three, four years been like for you? Cause you had a lot of injury free for years there in your twenties, thirties, early forties. Mm -hmm. Like what's that transition, like expectations all like, what's this been like for you? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, Again, like you just said, pretty injury-free. I had a couple of stress fractures, again, probably because my diet wasn't great in, in my 30s and 40s. Uh, um, and then, um, you know, had a lot of success uh, in local road races and things like that, uh, age group-wise. And I and I won a few also that there weren't a lot of super tough competition at. Mm. Um, I did podium one elite race with Spartan, um, but that was the local one. So there was Minnesota? Yeah. Yeah. When did you podium in Minnesota? Uh the when was that, Kirk? 18? Well we had a mountain series race. Yes, here. it was the mountain series race. Oh no 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 it wasn't that race then. It was the one that wasn't part of the mountain because pros probably the came. year before. Yeah, yeah. It was the our, one mount, where the... our in quotes mountain series race yeah. we had here in Minnesota. Yeah. I, I was glad it was brought here. It was nice to have the big boys in the backyard. Yes, yes. Yeah. No, I definitely did not podium. I didn't. I ra I think I did uh, age group for that one because I knew mm -hmm. the big the big guns were coming. Yep. Um. So um, I forgot what question was. <laughs> oh, just yeah. What what is that? Yeah. What has that experience been like? Like. You'd gone oh. from healthy and relative success, and then we started mm -hmm. our relationship where you were pretty healthy. Things were starting to act up, and then it's just mm -hmm. been a cascade of surgery, injury, limp running, right? <laughs> PT every week. Like you've been so dedicated. Like, mm -hmm. so walk me through your mindset through yeah. through the last few years with it all. So probably started in 2017 with my knee, um, having a lot. And why don't of you issues. list off all the surgeries for mm -hmm. for everybody in the last sure. years? First. So, um, 2017 started having a lot of knee pain, knee pain, knee pain, went and saw a surgeon, did a, uh, MRI comes in and tells me that I've torn my meniscus and there's a lot of debris, uh, floating around in there. And that's why I was feeling like clicking and stuff. So I had a relatively minor surgery. He went in and, and cleaned up the, the torn meniscus, uh, get, got some of that debris out of there. Um, and then after surgery, he let me know that I also had barely any cartilage left on the inside of my knee. When he was in there, he could see it better. Um, and then, you know, pain wasn't really much better after that cleanup surgery. Um, uh, I was walking my dog one day, uh, and, uh, she's a big girl and she, saw a squirrel or something and yanked me and I stepped wrong and I felt a pop and I went down and I had to uh, hobble home with her and went right in and they did another MRI and I had 
ripped all the cartilage away. Um, so it's always something dumb, isn't it? I know. I, you, you know, and that's that's what happens when you get older. Do you want to know what I did the other day? <laughs> what did you do, Kirk? I finally got my license plate in for my new camper, and I was bending over to screw it on. And my lower back grabbed, and I couldn't even stand up straight. And I was like, and it grabbed, went all the way down my leg. Oh. I was I was reaching for it with a screwdriver. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, grab me. Well, Felt it for the re- week and a half. Been in the chiropractor like four times since. Feeling good now, but... Anyways, Welcome what to my the, life. Yeah. The other time I the other time I I messed up my back. I've done it three times in my life. First time I, not to make this about me and sorry to distract, but it's ridiculous. First time in my life, I was playing high level soccer and I bent over to put my soccer cleat on at the championship soccer game. I bent over to tie my shoe, laid on the grass the rest of the game. Couldn't even play. I couldn't even stand up straight. Oh my put my goodness. shoe on. Second time, I was out in my bass boat fishing, picked up my tackle box off the ground to move it somewhere else, lower back grabbed. And then the third time now, putting a license plate on a camper. Oh <laughs> <laughs> At least you had a 120-pound dog yanking you. Right. That's better than I... any of my stories. Oh, my goodness. You've got to make up better stories. <laughs> I, I wish I could. I, you know, I haven't hurt myself in the gym. going to knock on wood again. It's always dumb shit. Right, but anyways, right. um, continue. Yeah. So your dog wrecked your knee. Dog wrecked. She tore that final little bit of cartilage that was there. What do you have, a Great um, Dane? What kind of dog do you have? She's a, a, well, I have two, but the big one that we're referring to is a St. Bernard Boxer mix. Oh, so boy. She, she's a big a girl. Beefy. Okay. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, the surgeon, after that MRI, comes in the room and has a grave look on his face. And he said, well, you tore all the cartilage. And I didn't really know. what I was like, okay. And in my mind, I'm thinking, <laughs> let's do some surgery and fix it and let's get me back out there. And he's like, no, you don't understand. Uh, there's no way to repair cartilage once it's been torn. It's, it's gone. And he goes, your running days are over. And I remember... He, mm-hmm. I just looked at him and the tears started rolling down my face. And I said, no, that can't be true. Um, I said, I'm not ready to be done. And he's like, well, I have professional athletes that, you know, are paid millions and this happens to them and, and their career is over. And he goes, I remember that conversation with you. I remember mm-hmm. how distraught you were after that, that conversation. Yeah. yeah. So I said, to him, I, I said, you know, there's got to be something. Is there, how can I get through this and try and keep running? He goes, well, we can try it. There is something we can try, no guarantee, but it'll put a Band-Aid on it. It's not going to fix it. Um, but we can try cortisone injections um, to take away the pain. And then we'll alternate that with what's called Synvisc. And that's kind of like a thick material that they inject in the knee joint that helps lubricate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is only covered by insurance every six months. So I do card or I do uh, cortisone injection. And then three months later, I go in for a Synvisc injection. And then three months later, cortisone and then Synvisc. No surgery. And no surgery. And so that got me through. Um, I mean, pain wasn't gone, but I could tolerate it and keep training, keep running. Um, qualified for the uh, World Championships in 2018. Um, was preparing for Tahoe. Had my plane ticket all ready to go. I was. It was the week be- week or so before, 
and you had me doing a little bit of speed workout um, to get my mm -hmm. legs loosened up, and I was doing that speed work, um, running on the road, and um, I felt a snap, but it wasn't in my knee, Kirk. It was in my hamstrings. And, I and that was in the opposite leg, correct? No, it was in the same leg. Same it leg, was the okay. same leg. Um, and I just went down like a sack of potatoes. And I was wearing headphones, and it was like a bang in my head, you know, like the noise. Oh, my goodness. And I had been having some discomfort in my, those hamstrings where they connect at your pelvis, but um, I, I didn't realize how much I had already – they were slightly they – were, they were torn. But that day, I ripped them, all three – tendons off my pelvic bone and they had kind of recoiled down in into my back of my leg so um hobbled hobbled home and actually my, had to call my daughter and she came and picked me up um and she took all me three hamstring insertions ripped completely from the bone huh yes one yes. time and i know we've been talking about a little bit of hamstring pain but i think you're just such yeah. like a at the time you were such like a I didn't have the perspective I have now with you. Like, mm -hmm. I put something on the plan and you're going to go do it. Mm -hmm. And if we knew now, I mean, and, and you just kind of brushed off pain because your knee had kind of hurt. And, you know, we didn't take it as seriously as we should have at the time, mostly because I didn't know any better. And you're so damn stubborn. Yeah, I probably okay. didn't. I probably didn't voice to you how much it, my hamstrings were bothering me. Mm -hmm. I remember I was practicing an eight-foot wall, my approach, because yep. um, shorty me, I can't just jump up and grab it. So I when I was at a, a ninja gym one day, just going at it and at it and at it, and I felt a pull, and that was the first maybe indication something was wrong with my hamstrings. I remember that you went to whip your leg up or push off, and it just yeah, you felt something go wrong. Yeah. 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 Um, but then I kept running. Um, oh, and oh, I did the um, NORAM and I ran uh, the team race in the pro wave. Uh, and we were the oldest group of women, me, Lisa Nordoff and uh, Heidi Williams. And we came in second um, mm -hmm. that August. So awesome. did, yeah, it was a great, that was so fun. Um, but so had that success and I was, my hamstrings were bothering me, but, uh, got through and then that happened and that was in, uh, late September, my hamstrings tore. So immediate had to have immediate surgery. Um, and they reattached them. They put like, uh, screws or something in my pelvic bone and pulled them up and tied them up. Um, what did that pain feel like when you, when those tore, like, I imagine that having to be excruciating. You see a sprinter in a race pull a hamstring in a hundred meter and they limp up in pain. They didn't rip all three attachments from the bone pain. Like what, how would you describe that pain during and afterwards? Very curious. You know, surprisingly it hurt really bad when it happened. I'm not going to lie. I could barely walk to, you know, down the block. Um, but um, after it tore, you know, in a couple days in, um, it, it kind of got better, you know, I couldn't run by any means. Um, but it kind of just was, it, it hurt, but it felt kind of, kind of like a deadened hurt, you know, like, well, I, like if, dull your whole, ache. if your muscle completely rips off the bone, I guess it's like, well, the damage just happened in one foul swoop. Whereas if you had a partial tear, then it's constantly being yanked on. Mm -hmm. So I suppose, although it hurt a ton up front, I suppose after that initial 
deal. There's nothing else being pulled on because it's detached already, huh? Exactly. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. And I just had no strength or real control in that leg. Hmm. Um, and so, but that surgery was tough because they, uh, I was in a leg brace from, you know, basically top of thigh to mid calf. Um, but I had to be locked at a 60 degree angle, I believe, or 30 degree angle. I don't remember now, but my, my, and this is my bad knee is locked in this brace, non-weight bearing for eight weeks. Um, and then when they took that brace off, um, my bad knee was not, it was locked. It wouldn't straighten. Um, so physical therapy, physical therapy to get that knee to straighten out. Oh my goodness, that was painful. Um, and, uh, I'm still working out with you and you are modifying my workouts. Oh, some of the videos we took with you, <laughs> full leg brace and your cast and your crutches and we're making it work. Some of yeah. those videos you were posting during that time, getting you up on the pull-up bar, pretty, those are some of my yeah. favorite videos. Like, nothing stopping this woman. You looked ridiculous and you were I doing know. all of it. Amazing. Yep. I know. You even had me doing burpees on one leg. Heck yeah, it doesn't get you out of burpees, a freaking ruined right? hamstring. You're asked doing burpees. And you nailed them too, by the way. I know, I did do it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I give you a lot of credit too. You you modified my workouts and you, you know, you kept me going. Um, and that, like you and uh, Bracken talk about, that accountability coach, that mm -hmm. really kept me accountable to keep coming to you every week and, and, and having, you know, workouts and you eventually with the hamstring i was able to start rowing you did a lot of modified rowing workouts <laughs> yep. and things like that um uh just to keep my heart rate up um but then you my were one-legged rowing you were one-legged yeah. you were an absolute nut job but i think being an absolute nut job is what it takes at this phase to to stay on track because sure when you get back to running after these things i mean you're only taking a hit and you're like discouraged for like two weeks and then suddenly you start popping already. And the reason you start popping, and I had this conversation over and over on this podcast, is because you never lost sight, even while injured. It was like, what can I do and how soon? And yeah. and you've always come right back, and it's paid off immensely being the age group champ two years in a row. Mm -hmm. um, but continue, yeah. sorry. So we, no, we did the okay. hamstring. So the hamstring, um, <clears throat> lots of rehab, um, as you can imagine. And, and I've been told that hamstrings uh, – are going to kind of, once you've done that, they're going to be a little naggy moving forward. And it, and it does, but it's nothing horrible. Um, mm -hmm. But my, my surgeon had a long, hard talk with me about my knee at that point um, because it was kind of at the point of no return. Uh, Synvisc wasn't touching it. Cortisone wasn't touching it. I could barely walk. It was, it was super painful. I remember, yeah. Yeah. So I agreed to have this kind of radical surgery called a tibial osteotomy. And what that is, is they, uh, they break your tibia and they angle it out to the outside a little bit so that my weight bearing is on the outside of my knee now um, because I do have a little bit of cartilage remaining on that outside aspect of my knee. Um, so the idea was to take the pressure off where I was bone on bone. Um, and so he told me at that time, you know, no guarantees. You may not be able to run when we're done with this. You're going to have a year recovery. Um, and that's why I had put this off as long as I had, because I didn't want to take a whole year off. Um, mm -hmm. But at this point, I had no choice. So did the surgery. Um, it was another two months, non-weight bearing, cast, you know, in a brace, uh, 
uh, on one end crutches. And again, um, I would bike with my bad leg up in the cup holder and uh, I was rowing. I saw it firsthand, yeah. I was rowing with one leg, um, doing whatever I could. Lots and lots of, and here's where I built a lot of my upper body strength, though, um, because that's what I could do. And I was hanging, pulling myself around on crutches. Um, mm -hmm. So just kept at it. Um, and because of my fortitude, I was able to start running nine months post-surgery. So um, that, that was cool, and I was really, mm -hmm. really happy. Um, that was the biggest hole we've had to get you out of was mm -hmm. that one. The knee, you know, all the knee problems and all that, like we kind of navigated around that nicely. But that hamstring surgery, which then led to the knee problem, like we had some dark days, like, am I ever going to come back? And this is, you know, you, you couldn't even run with the normal gait because you didn't have the dexterity in your hamstrings even at that point yet. It was like, it was like, you know, but you kept showing up, didn't you? I kept showing up and you kept figuring out new workouts for me. So, mm -hmm. um, yep, we get, we got through it. There were dark days, trust me, where I was like, you know, I'd be in the bath, you know, taking a shower and I have to sit on a chair in the shower and you know, you'd be upstairs and you'd forget something way down on the third level. And the thought of just getting down there, you know, just simple things. You know, how do mm -hmm. I carry my dinner from the kitchen to the table? You know, you can't when you're on crutches and you're non-weight bearing. Mm. Um, so it was, it, you know, there was, it, but again, I really think that my working out and keeping those endorphins going helped me get yeah. through it, you know? Um Got through it, and um, then, as horrible as COVID was, it actually was it was my time to recover and work and build back because I was starting, you know, zero with running. I hadn't run in almost two years, yeah. uh, 2018. Um, so built back, um, and uh, then that brought us to 2021, and then I, like you said, I I won the age group national series last year and uh nailed it again this year so what's the lesson here what do you think the lesson is here just beat yourself to death <laughs> or is there another lesson and it is there another lesson in here do you think and i and i'm you getting know, to this right away because i want to be respectful of your time because you can only yeah. play hooky for another little bit here so yeah I have um, a... what's the lesson here um if you want it bad enough nothing can stop you you know, you just got to have the mental uh, fortitude and, and uh, tenacity to to keep at it. And when I came back, I was like, okay, you know, not going to be running elite, probably not going to be winning any more road races, no more marathons in my future. So what can I mm -hmm. do? And then the age group series started and I'm like, I can do that. That That's mm -hmm. a, that's an attainable goal. So that gave me something to, to work for and, and get out there every day and train for, and, now for, you know. Now, for those of people who might be in that situation, they've run Elite their whole life, and now they're not sure if they should anymore. You recently saw Heather Golnick go down to age group in some races. I mean, she's an Ironman champion. Um, tell me, is it as rewarding? A hundred percent. Now as it is then? Okay. A hundred percent. Why? Personally, because – Again, it was a goal I set for myself, and I, I did it, you know, and getting up on those podiums and winning. You know, I may not have the competition, you know, that I had in my younger days, um, but 
so I, I set goals for myself. You know, what can mm-hmm. I do? What, what, you know, goal can I make this year? Because like I said, like, because, I, oh, and, you know, not to add it, but I also in that bad knee uh, within the last couple of years, my my ACL tore completely too. So I have. Oh yeah. By the way, your ACL <laughs> tore. I forgot about that. Yep. I forgot too. Um, so no ACL, no meniscus, no cartilage in my left knee. I'm on borrowed time. I'm gonna have to have a knee replacement. But my point being is that without that ACL, I don't have that stability holding my knee joint in place. So bombing downhills is no longer a choice for me. I have to pick my way down. Um, So I will work my butt off to get to the top in first place. um, And then, you know, people pass me going down and then I have to- Happened in Big Bear. You you passed two dozen people going up, half of those two dozen passed you on the way down. Then you passed another. So you ended up making making it work, but it wasn't wasn't easy. It wasn't pretty. No, and my time was not great. the mountain race is just there. I can't, you know, I can't race to my fullest potential with those, those massive downhills it just isn't in the cards mm-hmm. for me anymore. Is unfortunately. it, is it worth it? All this, all the hours, the money, the pain, the frustration, is it worth it? A hundred percent. I just, I wish it would have been around when I was younger. Hmm. Spartan races. Me Dang. Too. I could have, probably been pretty successful now we both we've had this conversation there is a big storm cloud over our heads your head this knee this knee is on its way out we both know it it's mm-hmm. you've you've squeezed every ounce of life out of this knee you possibly could and you can't have any regrets about that as they say but um, what are you thinking what are you thinking when you know all good things do come to an end mm-hmm. uh, when this knee replacement happens um, mm-hmm. what are you thinking um, well, then I'll just figure out something else to compete in. <laughs> <laughs> like what? You know, well, for sure, I'm going to keep up with the, the, you know, the strength training, bodybuilding, maybe get more into more a CrossFit type things that I can do mm-hmm. that because because with a knee replacement, you can still work out. He just told me that I won't be able to, to put the hard miles in on it. You know, so I'll still be. I bet able you. To... I bet you we could figure something out. I know. You know, it's possible. Never say never. Um, couple, just maybe a speed workout every couple speed workouts, low mileage each week, cross training in between. I bet you we still get you ripping. Yeah. Sub twenty five k's out on the road. We're, we'll figure it out. I mean, until the day that I am completely unable to do anything, I'm going to be out there doing what I can. You know, I'll maybe start golfing more. You know. Hmm. You're an old lady in your damn wheelchair, and you're just broken from all this beating you put yourself in. What are you thinking to yourself then? Are you still, like, worth it? Oh, 100%. I wouldn't trade it for the world, you know? Like, I got to travel. I got to meet all these amazing people along the way, Um, and I had fun, Um and I stayed fit doing it. Like my, my girls are like, mom, all my friends are like, your mom is buff, (laughs) you know, but but to them, it's just mom, you know, but I look at people my age and I'm like, thank God I'm not that way. You know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm just, you know, they say it's like, it's like, you know, you look at life and it's like, how many years have you had in your life? And that's, 
that's what we look at. But really, it's like how much life did you have in your years? And that means if you go down in freaking flames, you're still going to have a million more experiences under your belt for it. And eventually, like we're all heading that direction, all of us who are as dedicated to our craft as you are. And, you know, right. like the writing's on the wall. I, I'm, I'll end up there probably someday. It, maybe not. Knock on wood. Maybe I don't. But um, point being is, yeah, I, I expected those answers from you, but I wanted to confirm. So, yeah. Yeah. No, Kirk, you'll be training me until my dying day. (laughs) Good. Perfect. We'll make wheelchair videos. You're stuck with me. Maybe Um, you have to pick me up from a few more emergency rooms. Yeah, that's a story we didn't get into, but that was a a day in itself. I got done with my race and all I was was worrying about you because (laughs) you never came home. You didn't have your stupid phone on you. We were sharing a hotel room. Yeah. And I was like, okay, it's she should be done by now. I wandered and wandered. Then I started calling all the local hospitals. Finally, one had a Darla O'Connor there. <laughs> and I was like, thank God, because she's either dead up there, and you had you didn't have your phone, and you didn't know how to call us. Yeah, it, it was just a nightmare. Anyways, I ended up picking her up from the airport at like freaking midnight, and there she is smiling <laughs> in the emergency room. Um, we got to go, Darla. You got to meet yes, me to hop on in three I minutes. I do. I do. Um, Appreciate your time. Uh, you know, if people want to follow along with you, I would assume Instagram's a good place to see, you know, your ongoings and all that. Uh, where, where can people yeah. find you on there? Um, gosh, what is my Instagram handle? I believe it's a D-E-O. Let me double check because I don't know offhand. Um, it is D-E O'Connor. Seven. See D E O C O N N O R seven. Right on. Go follow her there. Right You'll be inspired on. to keep beating, beating yourself to crap. Beating yourself to crap. And yeah. as you said, you say it's always worth it. You stand by it, don't you? I wouldn't trade it for the world, Kirk. I love it. Well, um, you got to go to work. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. I so appreciate it. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been good getting to chat all this stuff out in one actual conversation instead of uh, tidbits between reps and sets and sweating and breathing hard. So, well, you have yourself a good day and um, thanks for the time. You as well. All right. Talk to you next week. Bye.